All right, welcome to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. Andrew is not able to join us today. I believe he is in Nebraska with his band through it all, and he's getting ready to start his 30-day tour of the East Coast soon. Today is February 25th. I have special co-host Dave Capuano. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing good, Jim. How about yourself? Good. Happy New Year to you, sir. All happy, right. Happy New Year back at you. Hopefully everything everybody's healthy and happy. Yes, very well. And same to you. Uh, so we'll do a quick episode here just to get caught up on some Bruins. Uh, we had you on, I think it was episode 150, but a month or two ago. Uh, some a lot of Bruins action that's been happening. First of all, Bruins first place in uh in the Atlantic Division and also tied for first, I guess, in the Eastern Conference with New York Rangers. Um, overall, how do you think the Bruins are doing at this point? Just broad overview, Dave. Um, you know, considering I think if if they would have told us after losing Krejci and Bergeron, they're they're in the spot they're in. I think that um, a lot of people had had uh, the doubts about that. Um, but overall, I think, again, they are where they are probably because of team defense, team goalie, and just, uh, just a good team structure. Yeah. Let's go over a little bit about the structure. So I'm looking at some stats. So they're pretty much like in seventh place uh, for a lot of these special teams. So they're seventh place for goals for, seventh in, in the league goals against, tenth uh, in the power play and 10th in the penalty kill. Penalty kill is at 81.5%. Power play is at almost 23%. So they're still in the top third, if not quarter, of uh, the league. Yeah, and obviously it's a it's a special teamed league. And, um, you know, the PK, I, I feel like, has slipped a little bit coming down the stretch here and I think the power play is three for 30 since the all-star break which is pretty much horrendous if that's a word yeah. so yeah uh, I think some of the recent struggles you're seeing with them is the power play and I think that has to you know I, I obviously every team goes through it and 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 you need puck luck too but sometimes I think you start to get too cute right you know you, you get away from the basics which um you know, basically you get the puck maybe low to high, get it back to the point and get get shots on net, get things, get pucks through and then create opportunities off of those rebounds. And I think they've gotten away from that. And, they, you know, the, the NHL is is a lot of set plays and, and different things where sometimes uh, I think you can outsmart yourself. And I think that's what they're going through right now. Let me ask you this, just sort of off topic, since you mentioned the all-star. Anytime you, that you have an all-star or an Olympic break, something like that, where it, it disrupts the normal schedule, is that a good thing, Dave, as a as a player, or is that sort of a, a negative? Because I would see it being both. If you're banged up, you can rest. If you're, if you're hot, it could cool you down. Yeah, you're right on, Jim. I mean, I think every team – some teams would want to just keep playing. Right. Um, um, I think the Bruins are pretty hot headed into there and, and, you know, the break comes and then they have some injuries. Whereas a team like Ottawa um, 
had the opposite where they really struggled. They changed their coaching staff. They got banged up. And out of the break now, they seem like Ottawa seems to be playing some of the best hockey in the NHL. So um, it, it definitely goes both ways for sure. Getting back to the Bruins, let's just talk about the HUD goaltending. So, again, the Allmark and uh, Swayman are just are, are just killing it. And it looks like at this point, while they're pretty much the same stat-wise, Swayman's having a little bit, little bit better year. He's looking more confident. He's younger, so he's a, a, looks a little bit more athletic to me. But, boy, those goalies are just – what a goaltending tandem. It, it reminds me of the old Andy Moog and Reggie Lemlin set up in the 80s. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have, right? So, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, though, when do you – you know, when do you make a move with the, the Bruins? I think well, – I know they're, they're basically, I think, 57,500 under the cap. So there's not a lot of room there at all to do anything, uh, which is a good thing, showing that they're spending money, unlike my New England Patriots, who are very <laughs> cheap. Um, they'll be The New England Patriots next year will be $80 million under the cap. So <laughs> yeah. everybody thinks that uh, Kraft's such a great owner, but he doesn't want to spend any money either. So, But that's a topic for another uh, a podcast, Jim. Um, right. So uh, I think the Bruins, you know, uh, are in a, a precarious situation where they, you know, might have to make a move here with Almach to free up some cap space and probably DeBrusque. Um, but it's easier said than done sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, where goaltending is so important in the playoffs, you've talked about that uh, for the last few years. Um, yeah. Do you even want to make a move in case, you know, Swayman gets hurt. I mean, they do have uh, Boosie. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but, yeah. you know, he's looking good. But, you know, he's not probably not quite ready yet, you know, to handle uh, being on a first place team. Uh, Swayman's got a 2.5 basically goals against and Allmark's at a 2.7. So pretty good stuff. Save average is looking good, real good. Um so, yeah, I mean, I hope they don't move with the goaltenders, but then again, it's not my well, if job. They did, if they did move and win the cup, would it be worth it to you? Um, No, it wouldn't because my wife loves Allmark. She just thinks he's, like, the greatest guy. So okay, uh, well, put your wife aside. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you do anything to to win as, as a fan. Um. I just think they got something pretty special there, you know. Uh, I don't, you know, but if it wins a cup, of course they got to do what they got to do. Yeah, I just think it's really hard to tie up that cap space and, and win a cup for the, for them to get where they want to be. Um, we talk about secondary scoring every year um, on the podcast, and even I mean, I think I'm a little more nervous this year about their their first, you know, scoring meaning Poster and Marchant. And, and are they, especially Marchant, you know, he's 35 years old. Is he getting to that point where, you know, this is his last run with, um, and I'm not saying he can't, he can't, he's still a great player, but he's not the player he was. And yeah. when you have that top line, I mean, you need, you know, I mean, you need a couple 30, 35 goal scorers up there. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but it's it's interesting to me because now they seem to be getting the Bruins seem to be getting a little more um, 
a little more scoring from their from their third and fourth line, a little more puck possession guys. Um, I kind of like the last, you know, last few call-ups here. Richards, I, I think, is providing a spark, and, and he plays obviously plays fast, and, and it's a speed game, so I think that's great. Um, obviously, the whole Luchik problem, I think, definitely caused a problem um, yeah. because I think you need physicality in the playoffs. We talked about that. You need a line that can go out there and change the momentum of a game, and I still – I'm not sure the Bruins have it, but I think they, they're getting some pieces for what they have with Richards and maybe Brzee and, and um, you know, a couple other guys that are calling up here might, you know, might be able to, to, to solidify that third or fourth line. So, yeah, that's a concern of mine, too. So, you know, you like you said, you got you got Beecher, you got uh, Boquist, who looked great last night. I mean, that fourth line, did you uh, catch the game last night? I did, yeah. I mean that fourth line, the all rookie man. They uh, when they scored, boy, that that looked like a top line players. But um, what do you think? So you got Laukau, uh, um, you got Beecher, Boquist, and then what happened to Steen? He's had like thirty four games. I like yeah, the guy, but he, you know, I mean, here I am, five foot eight, but you know, he seems small. Thirty five games, one goal. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, I think Steen's got to be a top first or second line player, I, I believe. And I'm not sure that he's ready for that role with the Bruins yet. Um, so, and, and then obviously Potras, who went down with the injury, was out for the year. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, Beecher and and Geeky and, and these guys have really, you know, they've got some guys that have really played well. Obviously, Trent Frederick's having a great year. I think, you know, we've, I talked earlier about Charlie McAvoy being appointed. I, I thought this was a year he would get to that point of game, you know, and I think he would, I think he is there. Um, but, you know, had a couple injuries and suspensions and whatnot. So, um, but, you know, the thing that concerns me a little bit is someone like Van, Van Veenzyk, you yeah. know, he's a power play type of specialist. You know, those are the type of guys in the playoffs, Jim, that are going to win you the Stanley Cup. And I just don't know if if they're deep enough. I don't think they are. And I think they I think they need a D-man and I think they need a, a center to make a run. I think the, I think some of these guys from Providence are filling in and doing uh, doing a really nice job. And they got some good skill for the first time in years where you say you call these guys up and they're, and they're making a dent, you know? Yeah. So how do you um... – a quick sort of side topic, but definitely related. So if you're on a coaching staff or, you know, a administration on a team, how do you go about developing players that, yes, they can play in the NHL, but they're, they're not living up their potential. What is the, what's the game plan? How do you develop players that you know, they're going to play in the NHL, but they just might not be ready. Do you call them up? Do you let them get more ice time in the AHL? Well, it's a it's a tough balance. I mean, there's only six forwards on that team that are getting top, you know, top minutes. So, you know, that's why it's so important for some of these guys to come up and, you know, can they be successful in a in a in a more limited role where in Providence, you know, they're, they're playing all night and, and they're averaging a point a game, but then they're going to the Boston and they're playing third or fourth line, no power play. They need to find a way to contribute. And, 
um, it's a tough balancing act. And that's why it's very difficult to make it to the NHL and to stick because, you know, sometimes, you know, I go back to a kid like Bobby Corkum I play with, I think 17 years, you know, he turned, he just, he was a def- defensive specialist, uh, penalty killing specialist. You know, the, he found a role and a niche and, and, and made a great living for sure out of it. So it's, it's difficult for some of these guys because you come up and you're, you know, you're always the best player, Jim. Yeah. And now you now you now you're in a position where okay they don't want me to be the best goal scorer you know shooter power play guy now all of a sudden I'm a third or fourth guy that they want me to be a puck possession guy not turn pucks over get pucks deep um, play smart make sure you're good on the wall coming out of your end all those little things that are going to keep you in the NHL as a third or fourth line until possibly you get a chance um, I go back maybe to the Rangers a good scenario with Caco and Lafreniere for the Rangers. Like they, th- they went through a couple of years where they struggled. The Rangers didn't make the playoffs, but those two guys got a lot of playing time. And I think now you're seeing the, the, um, the reward for them. You know, I think Lafreniere is 22 years old. He's, he's got 17 this year. And I think he's on pace probably for 25, 28 goals. And I think that uh, the, the, the playing time that he had early on really helped him, but you can't do that you know, when you're a Boston team at top of the division trying to develop guys. So it's a very, you know, guys have to, and and believe me, the coaching staff and the the management are smart enough to know when these kids come up, you know, who's going to stick and who's going to not stick. And a kid like Steen, just because he was a high draft pick or, you know, he has the most skill or speed, maybe he doesn't prosper here and he ends up somewhere else. I mean, we went through it with Studnicker. Um, who ended up, you know, getting traded too. So it's a, it's a difficult task with these young guys. And sometimes you just don't know who's going to develop into that player. I'm sure there's some guys in that lineup they called up last night that they thought would never be as good as Steen or somebody else that, you know, two years in the minors and all of a sudden these kids are better. So um, it's always like, you know, the Tom Brady last pick in the draft with the Patriots went out there and just continued to work. And when he got his opportunity, he never let anybody take it. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned Trent Frederick. Um, I was not a uh, uh, Dan Heinen fan when Heinen was here through the first round. Uh, Bruins picked him up, you know, uh, professional tryout. I think he's making like league minimum or something like 750,000. Boy, what a deal for that. I like Heinen this year. Uh, maybe it's desperation. This is his last chance before he has to make choices to go elsewhere, maybe Europe. Um, and he seems to be making the most of his opportunities. What do you think? Yeah. And again, I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I thought he was good when he was here the first time, but he was young. And I think in Pittsburgh, he didn't really get an opportunity to play that much again. And I think he's getting a little more ice time here. He's playing with a little, He's playing with better players here and, you know, he's had a hell of a year. I mean, he's got 11 goals and, you know, I I think maybe one on a power play. So even strength, I think 10 goals. I mean, that's, that's pretty good for a third line guy. Um, That's really good. So, you know, when you look at the ice time and and you're not on the power play, it's um, you know, he's having a great year. I mean, we might as well just run through the, the, the top line. I mean, Pasternak's doing his thing. Marchand, 26 goals, 26 assists. How do you think Marchand is uh, playing as as a top-line guy? And 
his role as captain? I think he's been very good. I obviously I think all the BS that 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 he went through years ago is put behind him. I think he's a leader. I think he knows, you know, I think that him and Bergeron obviously probably talk, I'm sure, three or four days a week. And um, so it's always I'm sure it's nice to be able to lean on someone like him or Chara. So I think he's doing a good job and obviously he's having a good year. Um, but again, I think, like I said, losing Krejci and, and, and Bergeron, you know, you're taking away, you know, great players that Marchant played with too. So, you know, without Brady, is there a Gronk and without Gronk, is there a Brady? So, you know, it, it, great players make people around them great. And I think Bergeron did that. I think Krejci most of the time did that. Um, so, you know, and, and obviously Charlie Coyle this year, who we haven't discussed, I think has been a huge impact to this team. Um, I always said that's a guy that should be a 25-goal scorer. I've said that in this show many times, and I was always disappointed with him with that 14, 15 goals. Um, obviously, he's got more ice time this year with those guys out of the lineup, and he's, you know, he should score 25 this year, and he's and he's really having a great year considering that he does so many things well, too. He's so well defensively, plays well on the PK. You can put him on a power play. So he's such a versatile player uh, and a big, strong kid, which I think, you know, the more of those you have that can play, um, the better chance you have of winning the cup. And you can see that now with the New York Rangers. I mean, they take this kid up for a week and what a difference he's made to that team. Um, because of puck possession, you have a couple four or five shifts in a game where you're playing in their zone for six or seven minutes versus being in your own end every night. It takes a toll and, and it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to get through games and get through weeks and back to back games and travel and everything like that when you're not playing in your own zone all night. And, um, you know, I think last night you saw it with the Bruins. I think, you know, obviously Swayman was really good last night, but they're on the road. They're a little bit tired. They're a little bit fatigued. They're playing Edmonton, Calgary, you know, Vancouver, the West Coast swing. You know, your, your legs give out a little bit on you. And I think, you know, that's probably what happened to them. But overall, I think, you know, I mean, obviously Vancouver's got a hell of a team too. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, on defense, of course, uh, Charlie McAvoy's just being the all-star that 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 he is. Um, I think Lindholm, he's still hurt. Is that correct? Yeah, he's still out. Yep. Um, but then you had like I, I really thought the Bruins would do well with Shattenkirk. I mean, he's a he's a minus four, but I was I, I really wanted the Bruins to pick him up when he was in Tampa and they and they didn't. Um anyway, is there any surprises or disappointments on defense for you? Not really. I think, you know, Shaq and Kirk is what he is. I think he's a good sixth, seventh defenseman, but you can't overly play him because he is a minus player. And I don't think physically enough he's, he's, you know, especially come playoff time. He, he's not a guy that can log 25 or 22 minutes for you. He, he's a guy, if you get him out there 12, 13 minutes playing with Charlie or playing with Lindholm, he's, he's, he's a veteran. He knows what to do moves a puck, makes that first pass out of the zone. Um, but he is not the best defensive defenseman. As far as, the, you know, the Laurie Mason, I think is, you know, I'm very impressed with him. Um, yeah. 
We always talk about how long it takes a defenseman to get comfortable in the National Hockey League compared to a forward. And it's it, it, it usually three or four years, Jim. So I think he's very, very talented. Boy, he's got great hands, great sight. I mean, great, great, great hands for a big guy. Um, and he sees the ice well. So I, I think there's a lot of upside there with his size. Um, Witherspoon, right? Um, he seems to me every time he, he wants to get into it, he's not afraid to drop the gloves. Uh, doesn't seem to be the biggest guy. Sometimes it just seems maybe he, I don't know, to me, he he maybe tries a little too much on the physical side. But he, do you think he's starting to finally fit in with his role with the team? I think he's played well for for uh, for what he has, and I think he works hard, and he's a gamer. And you know, I, again, I think we've we've taught. Like I just said, it takes sometimes. They say, I mean, look at Charlie. I mean, this has got to be Charlie's what fourth year, fifth year. I don't even know. It's but he's finally coming into his own, and it it just takes a long time as a defenseman. And and I think he'll be fine. Witherspoon will be fine. And the more he plays, the better he'll be and the more confidence he'll get. But I think he's he's played well, um, uh, you know, going up and down their lineup on D. I think I think Carlo's been very good, um, you know, but but I still think if they're going to make a push, um, they need another defenseman and they definitely need a center. So I don't know how you get that without. You know, I, I'm sure there'll be interest in some interest in DeBrusque. I think, you know, maybe Edmonton, you know, he's from Edmonton. Um, but Hannafin in, in Calgary seems to be a big name right now and a lot of interest in Hannafin. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting what they do with DeBrusque. And, and just when DeBrusque has a cold streak, he starts to get hot again. Uh, where's he at? He's at uh, 27 points, 13 goals. Um you know, I always expected more from the kid, but then again, uh, you know, and I don't know about the whole what to read into the attitude thing with him missing a a meeting and all this and last or two years ago, trade me right now type stuff. So maybe it's time for the Bruins to unload him if they can get something good for him, I guess. Yeah, again, he's got 11 five on five goals this year, so that's pretty good. Um, but he does, you know, he, he, he just... It seems like, too, he's the type of guy that never seems to be on the same line very long. And I don't know why they don't, you know, they, you know, they don't seem to, I don't know, have a lot of patience with him. If, if he's up there with Zocker or and Pasta or something, he doesn't seem to, to last that long before he's back on the third line. And um, so it's just interesting with him. Um, but I, I, I do think that, you know, like I've talked about, you, you, they, the Bruins need uh, that third or fourth line. They need to, uh, another couple, you know, they need a center. They need a big guy back in that third or fourth line that, that can create, um, you know, hit, fight, you know, be good in the playoffs. So um, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. It could be interesting to see, though, um, what they do with Mark. So we're going to run into the same problem we talk about every year in the, the playoffs of the Bruins. Are they tough enough? Uh, are they going to be able to uh, be last man standing as far as being banged up in injuries and make it through the four or five playoff cycles? Um, it looks like the Bruins, you know I mean? They had Lucic to, 
I guess, either for nostalgia or for toughness or some reason, at least we knew he would step up. Um, do the Bruins need to get basically uh, a policeman to be able to uh, protect some of the players here when we get into the playoffs? The Bruins seem to get just beat up in the playoffs. Well, I'm not sure that a policeman per se is is the the is in the NHL anymore. I think that these guys that you know the Matt Martins of the world can play. Um, so I think that you're looking for a a guy like a Matt Martin um, that can can play also, and that's the issue. Um, you can't just you know you can't just call somebody up and say, okay, this kid's a tough kid, but we're going to put him on the fourth line and play him three shifts a game. Those days are gone, Jim. Yeah. So you have to find someone that can play, and um, Luchik obviously, you know. Uh, a good talent that can play that can cause, you know, the physical side of it and the good presence out there to, to keep everybody honest. Yeah. I think the Bruins are going to need that uh, uh, again. What does uh, it mean for Montgomery that he's got to, what do you think the expectation for the Bruins management, the Bruins fans, basically the NHL in general, how far do the Bruins have to go for Montgomery. He's in his second year. Great first year, but terrible first round out. What has he got to do this year? I mean, I Jim, to be honest with you, I think the Bruins are very happy with how they're playing, very happy with what's going on, very happy with making the playoffs every year. I don't think that the Bruins sit there and say, we have to win a Stanley Cup. I don't see it. And... um I think more importantly, they know if they win on a regular basis, that rink is full. They make it to a one or two rounds of the playoffs. That rink is full the following year again. And unfortunately, I just don't see them saying, okay, we just want to win a cup. And it's tough too, because sometimes you're throwing away stuff where the next year you might not be as good because you're giving up too much. So, um, I'm not convinced that they're just all in to win a cup. Okay. So we covered Bruins real quick, just covering around the league teams. I know you mentioned New York. I think you mentioned Vancouver. Um, teams that are looking good for you as we get to the second half of the season. Well, I think when you look up and down the up and down the league, there's, there's probably only eight, nine, ten teams I think that can win a cup. And I think, obviously, the Rangers are one. I think Vancouver's one. I think the Bruins are in that discussion. Obviously, Colorado's in that discussion. Uh, Winnipeg is definitely in that discussion. Edmonton's in that discussion. Um, Toronto, not quite sure. Um, so there's probably eight or nine teams out of there that can win a cup. And I think we've talked about it every year. Who's going to peak coming into the playoffs? Who's going to stay healthy coming into the playoffs? And who has the best goaltending going through the playoffs? And I think the Rangers right now check a lot of those boxes the way they're playing right now today. Obviously, they won 10 games in a row. Um, but, you know, everything can change in a week with an injury. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, it'll be exciting and not – ready for the uh, 
for Cappy's uh, predictions for the Cup. It's a little early for that, but we'll get into that probably uh, in April. So that's only two months away to uh, see if how right you're going to be this year. And uh, they don't have sports betting here in Oklahoma, uh, but um, I'm going to put some money on whatever your prediction they have, is. They, I, have I, all, they have it all over the world, but not in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Well, we could go on and on. It's got to do with the governor and the uh, uh, the tribes here. You know, the tribes have all the casinos, so they want the um, – they want sports betting and the governor doesn't really like the tribes and it, it, it it's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> so you, so you but, can't go into the tribes and bet either. No, no, there's no sports betting in the casinos here at all. Yeah. That's crazy. But uh, yeah. So anyway, so uh, the listeners, uh, my wife and I, we're going to continue our NHL tour. Um, we're going to Seattle in mid-March and then take a train up to Vancouver, catch two games, do some more sightseeing. And um, I did notice, Dave, it, it's not your name, but uh, my wife of you know met you and knows you. I guess it's the Capilano Suspension Bridge. She wanted to know if they named that after Dave Capuano. And I said, <laughs> no, no, they didn't. We, we do have a road name after our family here, but not a suspension bridge. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have a my, my family all basically most of my family all live on capuano ave there you go well that's perfect well we'll probably try this uh cap capilano suspension bridge in vancouver anyway and let's not let's not let's just go back and not leave florida out because i think the panthers probably again staying healthy and the goaltending they're getting i i love that team and that's a big that's a big uh competitor for the uh for the Boston Bruins. I just don't think that the Boston Bruins are anywhere as deep as that team. Yeah. Let's see what they, let's see what happens. Dave, I can't thank you enough. We'll say goodbye off air, but uh, for Dave and I and Andrew, we thank everybody and wish everybody a wonderful week. Thanks, Dave. Anytime, Jim. Thank you.